and I'm here with Sitting for Jesus. Super excited to be here to teach from the Word of God to you all this morning. And yeah, guys, what I'm here to do is here to teach from the Word of God because I believe that the Word of God is the best thing that you guys could ever receive in your life. So super excited, super honored to be here. Just want to give uh, a huge thank you to all the staff here at Birch Creek for allowing me to come and teach from the Word of God to you all this morning. So this morning I'll be uh, speaking out of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And I'll pray for us real quick, and then we'll jump right into it. So Father God in heaven, I just come to you in your son's name, and just want to thank you so much for this beautiful morning that you've given us, this, uh, so that we all can just be here to race dirt bikes and to have fun with friends and family. And thank you for allowing us to hear the word this morning. I pray that you would speak through me and to speak to all the people that are here. And I ask that you just keep everyone safe today, and that we all would just have a good and fun, safe time. And Lord, I love you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, the Bible says, Also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the book of Luke, which is in the New Testament, is one of the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. And Luke, he never knew Jesus Christ personally, but however, Luke's life was changed when he heard about Jesus from those who were eyewitnesses of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And in the book of Luke, he compiles information about Jesus that he learned from the eyewitnesses who walked with Jesus. And he writes this book in the form of a letter to a man named Theophilus, who was a Gentile convert who served among the Christian community. So Luke, he writes this letter to Theophilus to reassure him of God's faithfulness throughout history, especially in him sending of his son, Jesus Christ. So in this particular message, Jesus, he spoke in the form of a parable in which he often did. And the reason why he spoke in parables is found in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 13, the Bible says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Whoever has to him more will, for whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will still be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So Francois Villon, who is a theologian who specializes in gospel studies that focus on the book of Matthew, he explains the reasoning as to why Christ spoke in parables by saying this. He said that parables demonstrate why not all people are receptive to the ministry of the Word of God. So listen again to these words from Jesus. He says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. In the time that Christ was living here on earth, people saw what he could do. People saw and heard his message from the Word of God. 
But however, many people were not receptive to it. They saw, but it was through the lens of arrogance. They heard with their ears, but their ears were closed off due to their pride. And because of that, some people did not understand nor receive the ministry of Jesus Christ. So in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus, he spoke a parable dealing with pride. And in this parable, we learn about two men. One man who was a Pharisee and the other man who was a tax collector. And in this parable, the two men, they went down to the temple to pray. In verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So that tells us the character of this Pharisee. In his prayer, he boasted about himself and all the good things that he did. And not only does he boast about his good works, but he also puts himself above other people, especially the tax collector. This Pharisee was confident in his own righteousness because of his good works. And he looked down on everybody else because of all the good works that he did. He thought he was better than everybody else because of all the good things that he has done. He exalted himself, and he was prideful. In verse 13, the Bible says, And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So this verse tells us the character of the tax collector. This tax collector, he was humble. The Bible says that he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven because he knew that he was not worthy because of his sin. The tax collector knew who he was, and that was a sinner. A man who has broken the law of God, a man who has rebelled against God and deserving of God's punishment. So this tax collector, so this tax collector cries out to God for mercy because of his sin. This man did not exalt himself. Rather, he gave God all the praise and glory. He exalted God for his mercy that he freely gives. So we have the Pharisee who exalts himself. The one who thinks he is better than everybody else because of all his good works. The one who thinks that being made right with God is based on good works. And we have the tax collector who was humble and gave God praise and glory. The one who knew that being made right with God comes through faith in Christ Jesus. So we have two different attitudes and two different results. And verse 14 tells us that. Verse 14 says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this verse tells us that the man, the tax collector, who was humble, he went home justified, and another man did not. The tax collector was justified because of his humbleness in lowering himself, confessing of his sin, and crying out to God for mercy. And the Pharisee who boasted about himself because of his good works, he was essentially rebuked, because he put himself above others and sought his own righteousness by his good works. It's like verse 14 says, If you exalt yourself, God will humble you. But if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. Pride is, a danger. Pride is dangerous because it says that a person does not fully need Jesus in order to be saved. That through good deeds, through good works, they have righteousness all on their own. To the prideful, they are better than everybody else because salvation is gained through good works that they do. 
The Bible teaches a lot on pride, especially in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is an Old Testament book written by Solomon. And Solomon, he writes this book in the form of a letter to his sons. So here's what Solomon has to say about pride. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that word haughty, it means arrogantly superior. And then Proverbs chapter 18, verse 12, the Bible says, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. So before destruction, the heart of a man is arrogant. So these three verses teach us the danger of being prideful. These verses teach us that God hates pride. And the reason why God hates pride is because, like I mentioned before, pride says that I don't fully need God. Pride says that I can be saved and can become righteous and justified all on my own. These verses teach us that pride leads to destruction. And this destruction the Bible is talking, uh, talking about is eternal separation from God, which is hell. Pride can lead a person to eternal separation from God because pride says, I can do this all on my own. My good works will make me right with God, and I'll be with Him for eternity, all because of what I did. That motive, that mindset is dangerous, and it will lead you far away from God. The Bible teaches that before destruction, the heart of a man is arrogant. That pride goes before destruction. Pride leads to not being receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon, who was an English Baptist preacher, had to say this. He says, The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. He is absolutely correct. Guys, we cannot earn salvation on our own. And if you have that mindset, if you think that you are made right with God based on your own good works, then that, that mindset, that motive is absolutely dangerous and that will lead you far away from God. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that through a person's righteous acts, they will become right with God and be saved. But what you will find in the Bible is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That right there is the gospel. That is the hope that we have. That through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life with him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So God is merciful. God is love. And God, he has given us a beautiful hope. A hope that when we repent of our sin, which means to turn away from our, which means to turn away from our sin, and, and when we place our faith in Christ, we will be saved from the judgment and wrath of God, and we will be with him for eternity, where there will be peace, joy, and love. The book, of, the book of Revelation puts it this way. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain for the former things that passed away. Guys, that's what God wants for you. 
The Bible teaches that God wants everybody to receive the gift of salvation. And God, He has given us a beautiful hope. He has given us a beautiful promise that when we turn away from our sin and we place our faith in Christ, that we will be with Him for eternity where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more death. There will be nothing but joy, nothing but peace, nothing but harmony and love. That is what God wants for you. So guys, humble yourself. Let go of your religious duties that, that, that falsely say that good works will, will lead you to heaven. That good works will make you right with God. Let go of your pride that says, I can do all this on my own. So not only did Solomon speak on pride, but he also spoke on humility. So here's what he had to say about humility. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Then Proverbs chapter 23, verse 20, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, the Bible says, A man's pride will bring him woe, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. So through humility, by confessing that without God you are nothing, that you are a sinner deserving of God's punishment, exalting God and praising Him for the gift of salvation that's through His Son Christ. The Bible teaches that riches and honor and life are given. That God gives grace to the humble and they will retain honor. Humility leads to eternal life because humility says, I am a sinner. I break God's law. I rebel against Him. But through His great love and through His great mercy, I am saved and made right with God through the death and resurrection and through my faith in Christ Jesus. David Limbaugh, in his book titled Jesus is Risen, he writes this, No matter how much our own sense of justice resists this, we must let it go in order to accept his gift. Let's not allow our pride to masquerade as humility and pat ourselves on the back. It's just like Satan to disguise our sin as virtue. No, we must be still and listen to God instead of taking our own counsel. And God is telling us that we can't do anything to earn our own salvation. It's not our humility causing us to resist his gift, but our pride and cling to the fantasy that we somehow must prove our own worth. So in order to receive God's gift of salvation, we must let go of pride. We must understand that we can't do anything to earn our own salvation. To earn salvation is only through faith in Christ. R.C. Sproul, who was a Reformed theologian and ordained pastor, said this, Salvation is a divine work. It is accomplished and applied by God. Salvation is both of the Lord and from the Lord. It is the Lord who saves us from the wrath of the Lord. And this man is absolutely correct. Salvation is from God. It's not from us nor our good works. Salvation is a gift from God and that, that He freely gives us. A gift that saves us from the wrath of God and makes us right before Him. So let me ask you this question. Is your heart full of pride? If it is, let it go. Give it to God. Confess that you have been prideful and confess that you can't obtain forgiveness nor salvation on your own. Confess that salvation is a gift from God and be obtained through faith in Jesus Christ.
Again, David Limbaugh in his book, titled Jesus is Risen, he writes this, One key to accepting the gospel is to fully embrace God's word that we are by nature fallen people and, apart from God, we are incapable of redemption. That right there is humility. The humility of confessing that you are a fallen human being due to your sin. And without God, there is no redemption. You must realize and understand that. When you realize and understand that you are fallen, and that apart from God, there is no redemption, that is understanding the gospel. You must realize that. And once you do, David Lombard writes, coming to terms with that is immensely freeing and essential to our eternal destiny. We must first realize that we have sinned against God. To truly understand the gospel, to truly understand salvation, we must realize that we are sinners, that we are fallen human beings because of our sin, and that we can't obtain salvation on our own. We must realize and understand that we can only gain salvation through Christ, that we can only be forgiven, and that we can only be saved through our faith in Christ. So as I close, I simply want to say that God has given you such a beautiful gift, a gift that is full of love, full of hope, and full of life. A gift that says you don't have to come to God already righteous. Rather, you can come to God broken. And when you accept his gift, God will make you righteous, and he will complete you through his son, Jesus. Don't let your pride stop you from receiving the best gift that you could ever receive in your life. Humble yourself and cry out to God for mercy. So that's you this morning. You have realized that you've been prideful. You've realized you have stopped yourself from receiving salvation because you think that you can do it all on your own. You've realized that you need to humble yourself and cry out to God for mercy and confess that only through my faith in Christ can I be saved. You have realized that you have not made that decision to place your faith in Christ, but you want to, because you have realized that you want to be saved. You want to be with God for eternity. If that's you this morning, then here's what the Bible says. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Acts three nineteen says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So that right there is how you can be forgiven. That right there is how you can be saved. You must first confess to God of your sin, that you have rebelled against him. And the Bible says, if you ask God for, forg for forgiveness, he will forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. Then you must repent of your sin. And, get, and again, that word repent, it means to turn away from your sin. It's, it's being done with the ways of, the, of, of a sinful lifestyle, and it's being committed to living your life for God. And then you must confess that Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart by faith that Christ came to this world, that he died on a cross to forgive you and to save you. And that God raised him from the dead. So if that's you this morning, I want you to pray right now in this moment. I want you to pray to God. I want you to, to confess your sin to him. I want you to confess to God that you have sinned against him and that you have went your own way. I want you to confess to God that your repentance 
that you are done living in sin, that you are committing your life to God. Now I want you to confess that Christ is Lord, and that you believe in your heart by faith that Christ died on the cross for you, and that God raised him from the dead.